This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hey everyone, welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. And today's episode, I have a special guest. I mean, I've said that to about all my guests, but this one's a special guest. And it's someone who's uh, connected me to a greater footballing community. Some of you may know his name. And if you don't, I strongly suggest check out uh, the De La Victoire community page that I'm part of, or community online community, I guess. But well, anyway, so this guest is uh, Yvon. What's up, Yvon? How's it going? I'm great, you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, you know, earlier today we had a uh, a co-working networking slash networking event through the De La Victoire community page, and uh, and honestly, it was awesome getting to know other content creatives, and you know, through this uh, thing, this platform you've created. So thank you, honestly, <laughs> really thank you. And um, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you 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 enjoyed it. Uh, to be honest, this was the first one. Uh, hope of many. So. Mm. Uh, I was also very stressed about this, uh, <laughs> just figuring out what I was going to talk about for an hour, but yeah. also how people were going to react, but also interact with each other. I think uh, in the end, it turned out to be, I mean, really fun for you, like you mentioned, but for me, it was really eye-opening and really motivating and inspiring to see because uh, that might have convinced me to do more of those. <laughs> yes. Maybe on a, I wouldn't say weekly basis, but on a more regular basis, for sure. I I. I would like more of that, to be honest, because now I'm seeing uh, these other people and getting to know them. I've already connected with two of them at the end of that session. So to me, I was like, this is kind of what I needed. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so That's as great. I, th- I think, uh, yeah. No, sorry. sorry what were you, you going to say? I think like the, the biggest objective I want with this is to, act- to actually have people connect themselves to other people. So I'm mm-hmm. not forcing anything and I'm not like holding your hand along the way. I'm just helping you find... Uh, those people and the right people not the right people but the people that you want to connect with and yes i am so glad that you were able to do that yeah um again thank you and um as i (laughs) explained to you before the show uh or before this episode i'm doing a full season arsenal fan and you said why why are you doing this to us (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is you're asking for pain (laughs) uh I find that enjoyable. I find that hilarious, and that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> but um, yeah. But mainly because uh, I think in the beginning of the season, every Arsenal fan is kind of a pessimist at heart, but also an optimist, and I find that very, very fascinating. And I guess well, before we get into why they're both optimists and pessimists, I want to know about you and how did you become yep. an Arsenal fan? Uh, it, it's weird because I can't really pinpoint. A specific moment or game I think it was just like a like we were like trend like we transitioned into it uh, and I say we because uh, my family obviously uh, my dad was a major influence in my decision to become an Arsenal fan and I, <laughs> I use the word decision but it probably wasn't a decision it was just like you're an Arsenal fan now so uh, my my dad grew up as an Arsenal supporter uh, we are I was born in Mauritius, which is a tiny island off the east coast of Africa. Uh, well, I think people most, mostly know Madagascar, so we're the right. smaller, tinier island next to Madagascar. Uh, so b- basically, you know, 
for the longest time it was in the uh, British colonies. So obviously there was a major influence with football and and uh, English. You know, at the time was the uh, not Premier League, but it was in different words. So basically, the first league, the Premier League, well, top division in yeah. England. So a lot of the people, the, the Mauritians, were influenced by the bigger teams. So the you know there was a lot of a lot of support for Manchester United and Liverpool, which were the top two teams at the time and uh but my dad uh i want to say like had the chance to live in england for a bit of time with his family and uh they lived in north london which was i think the house that they lived in was very close to highbury at the time Mm. so that's how the the influence or the, the the little influence was was started there and then moving forward uh I, I grew up playing and then obviously when we came to Canada in 1989, we got to experience uh, a bit of soccer on TV uh, and uh, we, you know, that's how I want to say it started for me. Uh, but it still took me, it still took me up until 1998 to really enjoy Arsenal because uh, mm. like, yes, there was soccer on TV in Canada, but you know, we had the, at the time there was a show called Soccer Saturday which was every Saturday on DSN. It was more of a recap <laughs> okay. uh, recap show than anything. Uh, so that's where my dad would kind of feed, uh, you know, feed his football culture and knowledge and results and everything. So that's how we would uh, learn about Arsenal. Uh, but yeah, it took, it took us about, well, it took me spe- especially up until 1998 to watch my first Arsenal game. And that was an FA Cup final. So from then on, I think it was like a, immediate connection to uh to arsenal and that turned out to be i think our uh, arsenal's wenger's first full season at arsenal as well and that was the start of a beautiful beautiful era for for my family yes but uh, for me also personally it sounds like you were a um multi-generational arsenal fan i guess within your family yes that's uh, fair to absolutely. say like for your dad yeah, and to you been... and your, your children my children aren't <laughs> uh i don't want to force them you know i don't want to uh, force them to watch games ah, uh, and they okay. totally like they're four and six so you know watching a full 90 is not uh, okay, yeah, yeah. something that they really appreciate and I'm also that also means that I'm hogging the TV <laughs> so they can't watch their shows so they don't like mm. they don't like Arsenal right, right. now which is fine I'm, I'm not gonna force them to do anything uh, but yeah for me it's a multi-generational uh, like heritage that I have yes interesting because like out of all the other people I've spoken to, they're all from Montreal or from abroad or outside of Montreal, mm-hmm. just like not out, not from London, right? And yep. And you're the first person I met where you you guys aren't originally from North London or yeah, specifically not from North London, but from Mauritius. Nope. And mm-hmm. you know, there's that connection, that colonial connection with the British being there and so on and so forth. So this is the first time I'm meeting someone who has. Okay. A historical precedence uh, with not maybe not with not with <laughs> Arsenal specifically, but with you know with British culture mm-hmm. in that regards. So I find that um, it's kind of, I, I guess for a way that I will I would uh, interpret that it's like imagine uh, meeting okay there was a moment where Turks and Caicos wanted to join Canada and imagine if that happened and you find a bunch of Habs fans and Turks and Caicos because of that as a result exactly yeah exactly yeah I, that's exactly it I think there's there's, there's uh, you know, and, and it's crazy to think because at the time, like, you know, they didn't have technology or like access to information as rapidly as we do now. Mm-hmm. So 
to support a team, whichever team, like I'm not saying just Arsenal, but like any team out there to support them, like it's it's quite remarkable that they were able to connect or to, to make that connection with the clubs yeah, uh, without immediate access to results, games and, and such, you know? And this is where I'm getting curious. Like, um, have you been to an Arsenal game before? My, I've been to two Arsenal games. Uh, none of them were actual league games. Actually, three. So oh. one was, one was a preseason match. Uh, and I want to say no. I, I'm I'm lying because we went to the stadium where the preseason game happened. It was against Barnet, mm-hmm. uh, but we couldn't get in because obviously it was packed. So we kind of watched through like the cracks of like the fences. And oh, everything. that's really cool. I like that. Okay, uh, that that was amazing. And then we got to just see. Uh, them walk out of the stadium and into their bus. So that was like I think my second experience of of seeing them. But the other two uh, that I've seen Arsenal play, and you know what? As I'm saying this, I think there's more that. Come. So basically, <laughs> my first time watching them was a. Uh, it, it was called Charity Shield. So the right. first like, basically the winner of the league versus the winner of the FA Cup uh, face off uh, a week before the season starts. So that's That was my first game I got to see Arsenal play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in Wembley. So uh, the old Wembley, I want to say. So Ooh. that's going to tell you a bit about my age. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> so basically, yeah, that, that was my... Uh, and weirdly enough, it was like a full family trip. So we, we really got to experience the, the the match day life and the experience that, uh, that you know, we, we kind of see on TV in, in England. So that was kind of... Of really really fun uh that was also the first time i bought my first arsenal jersey as well and then the second time i got to see arsenal play was again in the summer but later uh we all went to the basically the emirates cup Mm -hmm. so it was like a friendly tournament that arsenal hosts every summer uh and we got to see them play there so that was also enjoyable okay that's really cool Uh, yeah and yeah and then the i you know, I, as I'm thinking, I remember that also I went to New York to see Arsenal play against the Red Bulls and basically watch Arsenal play against Thierry Henry, which was a weird, ah. uh, a weird game to look at. <laughs> but still, still enjoyable. Like I'm not gonna hate on, of course. on it, but it was, uh, it was out of all the games that I've seen Arsenal play, that was probably the weirdest game. It, it's funny. It's I find it. I'm still thinking about how. Besides the fact you want to watch Arsenal games, uh, I'm still thinking about the, yep. your connection with Arsenal because, like my other people I've spoken to, uh, one guy mm-hmm. he became an Arsenal fan because of um, I think video games. Wait, was it video games? Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 mm. I'm, I'm probably mixing him up. No, no, I've heard that before. Yeah, with video games, actually, yep. with winning eleven, he just picked Arsenal because that was like the best team on the uh, in the game. So he's like, he just kept picking Arsenal, and it was like the first. Like, because it's A, it was like one of the first on the list. So he was like, all right, that's my team. Yeah, always. Yeah. And do you know the stand-up comedian that's Bobby true. Lee, a Korean comedian from from uh, California? Uh, no. Okay, well, he has this, he has this podcast called Tiger Belly. And he shared this one yeah. story how he became an Arsenal fan. And he had the same thing. He was like, I just love playing video games. I don't want to lose. And Arsenal was the best because it was the 2001 Invincible uh, team. And he just kept picking it, and he was like, yeah. and I kept winning, and I was, I found that fascinating with that, and juxtaposition with you, where there's a family connection, a cultural connection, I guess, and um, mm-hmm. and it's I, I, all this to say is that it's kind of interesting how people find their way towards maybe not just Arsenal, but to other clubs, not by television. You know what I mean? Like it's always sneaks its yeah, way it's sure. around. Yeah, yeah. So if it wasn't now, I'm thinking about it, like 
why Arsenal? Like you could have been Manchester United fan, a Liverpool fan. Like why Arsenal? Uh, honestly, I think the way the like I said, like the the first game I saw on TV was 1998. So it was like an FA Cup final. They played Newcastle, and there was a certain like, and that's obviously very cliche to say now. Is there was a certain swagger about them mm. and way of playing that, mm. uh, you know, my dad was telling t- telling us about, but there was no like visual reference to see. Like we always like even before 98 like we used my, my dad used to like ask us to record games that we're playing so they back in the day there was something called the cup champions oh, i can't even pronounce it correctly but I, like cup winners cup which was like yeah you know the old version of like a super cup europa league's younger brother yeah it was like a weird f- format but okay arsenal won it one year and uh and like i remember like my dad asking us to record it because he was playing like in the middle of the day because of obviously time zones. Mm. But uh, I, you know, I remember seeing those games but not really connecting. And then, uh, you know, understanding what uh, kind of, well, no, going into the Arsene Wenger area, you, you kind of understood why, you know, they went from like a boring and classic like one nil right. kind of winning team to a exciting and uh, like a bit of a cultural, culturally diverse and and culturally rich uh, team. So there was always that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, like I said, like I think it was like a start of something. I, I, to be honest, like I wasn't necessarily always an Arsenal fan because I kind of grew up looking up at like specific players that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, like I was a massive uh, Roberto Carlos fan. Uh... I don't know why, I just. I just stuck to him like we you know I remember like getting a poster at HMB like for some reason they had like soccer posters at, at HMB. HMB that's so random exactly so so first of all HMB does not exist anymore so apologies <laughs> for that but also like they had a poster section where they had sometimes they, they would have like soccer players hmm. so I remember buying a Roberto Carlos poster for like seven dollars and that wow. was up on my wall so I kind of looked up to players like him uh, who were kind of small but explosive, so I kind of like it, it represented who I wanted to be to mm. to be as a player. Okay, uh, but yeah, like Arsenal, like was always kind of lingering on me, but ne- not necessarily. I wasn't focusing on them up until like you know, like I said, like late nineties, early two thousands, where uh, I started really, you know, and and thank uh, at the time there was a lot of more. Uh, what was it called? I'm trying to. F- it was Fox, yeah. Fox mm. Sports Canada, Fox Soccer Canada right. was like broadcasting every single Premier League games on weekends. So that was like, and Arsenal was doing really well. So they were obviously showing a lot of Arsenal games. So uh. it also became part of a weekend tradition for my family. So obviously, like if you wanted to watch soccer, you would watch Arsenal. And that like, it was just reinforcing the love we had for the team. And when you moved to Montreal, was there a lot of Arsenal fans by the time you got here? Or was it like, what was the landscape like in terms of Premier League teams, if there was any? I would say if there was any, I don't know. Oh, uh, I remember right. the only thing I remember about football or football culture at the time was obviously I was a bit younger, but I remember my dad and I going to a garage sale to buy like a whole box of like Premier League upper deck cards. <laughs> wow. They had those. So we bought like this massive box and that was like, my dad was I don't know how we found out about it like like we maybe he was just driving around and stopped there but mm. we bought that massive box and that's how we kind of I would say educated ourselves but like I that's wow. I think that's how I started to learn about the club names 
that that's a, like the Blackburn Rovers, the Sheffield Wednesdays, the that's you know, all those teams. And I was like, yeah. And then there's also like my dad was really big on that because there was that, but there's also every week he would come back. Like he used to work downtown, and uh, there was like a depreneur that he would buy like Match Magazine and Shoot Magazine, mm. which were like the version of like a shitty football tabloid yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but they had posters in them. They had like uh, like stores that sold like you know kits and like football equipment on the like the back pages there were like obviously articles on players like stuff that you could cut out so every monday i think he would come back from work and he had like a the latest version of shoot magazines and and match magazines which were you know when i look back like they were really expensive because like you like that depreneur would need to import it from right a store or retail store and or distribution place from england and then like obviously sell it at a at a premium <laughs> for Montrealers. So, so yeah, I don't oh. know. Like, I think, yeah, there's a, obviously I don't, you know, I grew up, I want to say I grew up in a more of a hockey environment as well. So I don't know how much or how rich the football culture was. Right. And who supported what in a sense. Uh, if I'm looking back, I think the only other reference I would have is I know my cousin uh, one of my cousins were like massive Manchester United supporters. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, that was like part of their also cultural heritage. Right. Their brother, the, uh, the the dad was a Manchester United supporter as well. So there was like that influence. But, uh, but I don't recall any Premier League, you know, influence growing up, like at a younger age, right. basically. Another thing that I asked the... Uh other people is that it's sort of a the cultural like you know obviously now we're getting a bit of the topic of culture because the soccer culture in montreal was non-existent it will at that yeah. time now it's it's a completely different city in that regards um but what i find what i find fascinating now or especially when when it, when it comes to uh international supporters with these very english mm-hmm. clubs old school established institutional clubs right like um yeah. When Liverpool won, as a Liverpool biased supporter or fan, when Liverpool won the league, yep. I didn't understand how much it meant to the city of Liverpool. I mean, I mean, they over celebrated to some extent, uh, but it was, um, you know, thirty years. They show like I remember. I think the Guardian or BBC made this little slide on Instagram saying, "Is there's a grandfather who watched Liverpool win, then the father watched it as a child but doesn't yep. remember, and then now that father's uh, mm-hmm. ch- child." watches Liverpool win. So that's three generation of scousers, you know? And I, when I saw that, yeah. I realized that I am so foreign to this club and it's so many ways. Do you sometimes feel that way sure. when it comes, when it comes to Arsenal? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, obviously I'm less, and I'm careful with my words, but like I'm older. So I'm a bit wiser in the sense that like, I, I support the team. I watch the games, mm-hmm. but I'm not, uh, directly impacted by their, decisions within the local community there so mm. i know i am you know miles thousands of miles away from from these uh from the club I, so i don't necessarily feel uh like a human connection to it and i think that's understandable right. uh but yeah like i think you know what what's great about these clubs and maybe to some extent i'm being careful there but like there's always a rich local heritage to what uh, to what they've built like these are clubs that have been existing for hundreds of years uh, like you mentioned there's a, a multi-generational uh, influx of supporters that they've been able to 
to get easily mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, but it's also like, you know, like you mentioned in Liverpool, like whoever's living there, like the stadium's at a walking distance from where they live mm-hmm. or, you know, within, you know, within a very close radius and it means something to them because maybe, maybe again, I'm exaggerating. I don't, don't know the full story, but like Trent uh, Alexander-Arnold was like lived three doors down from where they live. So there's like that connection, like constant connection right. to the, the history of the club and the you know entourage of the club whereas you know if i'm looking at an arsenal game on a saturday afternoon like i there's no like i'm not gonna go walking down the street and like try and embrace the fact that it's a game day or anything like that yeah. right so it's just uh it's just a you know for me right now it's just a matter of kind of enjoying enjoying the the the, the maybe the past or, or something something along those lines so enjoying my cultural heritage to Arsenal and my mm. uh, my background and my the stories I have, and then also getting you know just just watching football at this point. Yeah. So speaking about enjoying an Arsenal, that was something that you couldn't do for a little bit. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I knew that I opened a <laughs> massive door for you. Well, I mean, to be fair, Arsenal <laughs> destroyed Tottenham three yeah. nil over the weekend, and I was. Um, I mean, as yes. a Korean person, I don't like. I mean, Sonung Min still scored, so I guess it was that's a silver lining for me. Uh, but, <laughs> but how, how did you, did you ever see Arsenal? I mean, now that they're bouncing back, it seems like Arteta's like working his magic if there is any magic. But before that, when Arsenal yep. was in, when it was the era of pessimism, when Arsenal fan TV kind of was on the rise and at its mm-hmm. peak, wh- yep. where did it go wrong? Uh, according to you? Uh, I think it's a, like a classic case of, you know, not managing change properly, uh, and it's easier said now that we're kind of looking out, like obviously we're all looking outside, uh, we're outside looking in kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's a matter of obviously like, you know, again, going back to the Wenger era, like he was there for such a long time uh, and he built such a, you know, aura and structure around the club and within the club. And it was so ingrained in the walls and the office and the stadium that, you know, leave like, him leaving, you know, that was that was something big, but it was also a matter of like making sure that everything he's left kind of either, you know, keeps going into something that's gonna help the club grow, or maybe the other person that's coming in is gonna make his decisions based on what they believe is better than what there was before that. So you know, it, it was always gonna happen in a sense. I didn't feel like there was gonna be a lot of of like ups and right after that and surprisingly like to be honest like when you look back now like they still like i think people were harsh on unai emery because you know to a certain extent like he still brought them to a europa league final so uh there was there was that you know i think there was like amplified expectations of what arsenal should represent after arsene wenger right uh but that's gonna take a while like i don't believe that uh you know even arteta now is obviously doing a decent job i think he has uh, he's still very young to be put in that position so there's a bit of a a big risk factor for Mm -hmm. him but at the same time like you know it's it's gonna take time like the club is always gonna kind of not dictate but you know it's gonna take time to move 20 plus years of wenger heritage and wenger like preconceived uh understanding of what football should look like at arsenal 
So it's going to take time. It's going to take, obviously, a bigger influx and outflux of players that are going to come in and out. Uh, and then, obviously, there's going to be a lot of managers that come and go. So hopefully, I think Arteta is going to be given a, a longer period of time to yeah. make his, uh, you know, make his structure kind of applicable for the team. But uh, but yeah, it's going to take time. I don't I don't, uh, and I'm very like. Maybe I'm not like every Arsenal fan, but like I'm not necessarily pessimistic, but I am realistic in the sense that I know hmm. uh, what's going to happen. Or not, I don't know what's going to happen. That's not true. But I, I kind of manage my expectations. I try to always, to be honest, like I always try to lower my expectations. So whenever <laughs> something better happens, I'm super happy. Oh, no. So obviously everyone's talking about Tottenham, the Tottenham win, which is great. But I'm like, I'll always go back and joke around and say like, okay, now we're going to lose three nil to Brighton. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a matter of like understanding what your what the club is about, what they're going through. Uh, like any, and, and maybe this is like a bigger scale, but like, like any organization that loses like a core element of right. their brand, it's going to take time. Like it took them time. They still managed to like patch things around and, and, you know, figure some stuff out. But, you know, the Wenger era where we were either first, second, or fourth, like top fourth for the longest time, playing Champions League, playing, you know, going almost, I wouldn't say all the way, but like going very far in multiple cup competitions. Uh, that era right now is kind of put on the side because we need to rebuild that structure that's uh, being done right at the moment. Totally. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to kick my cat out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No worries. She's being annoying. I'm sorry. No worries, man. I'm, I think I might even keep this in the episode because, like, this is just a genuine moment right now. Give me one second. This, yeah, for sure, man. Your cat's annoyed by my Arsenal talk. That's why. I think the one the key things you said uh, is realist. Mm-hmm. You, you said you're a realist about uh, your expectation about Arsenal. I mean, everyone I've spoken to, all the Arsenal fans I've spoken to, are kind of the same boat as you. Is that they're realistic about they have an objective lens towards it. I think. What I'm starting to notice, and this is completely informed based on what I see online, on blogs, on Reddit, on yeah. YouTube, whatever, that those in London, uh, maybe not just those in London, online people could be anywhere. But let's assume the ones in London have, because they have this emotional investment to the club, they sometimes fail to see things objectively because everything is very subjective to them, the way Arsenal play. I mean, it's religion for them at the end of the day, right? Yeah, for sure. And. Mm-hmm. I guess to me, what I'm seeing is that there's an added benefit of being an international fan or a plastic fan, if you will, is that we could see things objectively. You know, we could see it's like, okay, this is what's going wrong. This is what's going right. And it depends. Yeah, it depends. I think like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the Arsenal fans I know, and I'm in one group of friends and, you know, we're we're good enough that we joke a lot, but at the same time, like, there's just like false expectations that they will finish yeah. fourth or they'll finish second and then qualify. And, and they'll like technically on paper, they have a better team than Manchester City and Chelsea. And, and you know what? Like there's this false, always this false hope that Arsenal are actually better than they are. But my, my take on it is like, you know, we're, we're, we're as good as, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talented players. Uh, but again, like it's a matter of like grooming these players to become uh, players that can play multiple cups, that can play multiple games of the week, that can play uh, bigger teams. So it's going to take, again, it's going to take time. So maybe, like you said, maybe 
not being in London gives you that mm. uh, step back or the ability to step back and uh, maybe you watch the game, you're disappointed and you, you know, you're not next to the stadium or you're not in the neighborhood. So you kind of, you can go outside and like nobody would know that there was an Arsenal game, right? right. So if you live, if you live in that area and you've kind of, that's all you know, hmm. uh, then yes, it, it, it affects you differently. And I think there's that, uh, always stick uh, and and football is always going to be that like you're always going to hang on to like your your past right so you're going to be like well the like any Arsenal fan knows that whoever's going to this this them like they have that invincible card that they can kind of pull out at any moment right it's like the Joker card that you can say well we we kind of always you know we're the only team in recent times that have gone a full season without losing so. It's that Joker card that you can still pull out at any time, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like you're holding on to something that's very unlikely to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in our in our era, maybe it's gonna happen in you know a few uh, a few hundred years, hopefully, but uh, I don't think we'll be around to witness it. <laughs> a few hundred years. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what's funny was um, when Liverpool almost went undefeated that that uh, that uh, league winning yes. season. I remember when they mm-hmm. lost to, not Crystal Palace. I forgot who they yep. lost to. Was it Crystal Palace? No, they beat Crystal Palace. Uh, there was the team before. Leicester? Leicester. I think it was Leicester. And I remember it was the I'm team. Just, we have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, actually, in the back of my head, I was like, for whatever reason, I don't care. I was like, whatever that team is, they ruined it. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but, they're blocked off my memory. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. For, I understand. This is suppressing the trauma, I guess, in that way. But mm-hmm. um, but I, I remember uh, all the Arsenal fans just had a huge sigh of relief when that happened because they're like, "Shit, I really don't want this team to beat the Invincibles." Because for sure, because like they were like 30, 30 or twenty seven points clear or something like that, and I was just thinking, not only yeah. are they gonna beat the Invincibles, they're gonna destroy them by thirty points or however much mm-hmm. the difference is, and. Yeah, yeah, but I think it was in that moment two things that I what made me realize why I love this game so much is that anything could happen, and story. Not everyone gets a storybook uh, ending, and some people do, and it's very unpredictable. And that's what I love about this game is that just let it. It is what it is. Let it be. It's very much like life. You just you know you prepare as much as you want, For and sure. the outcomes will never be what you think it will be, might be. But you, you know, learn to come to peace with that. In the end of the day, they still won, so I don't mm-hmm. care. And. So that's the main thing, and and when I think about Arsenal, like a big club, uh, another thing that's why I like with the Premier League is that it's the unpredictable nature. Is that you never see, no one would ever predict that Arsenal will come down this path of just struggling, but like taking a long time to rebuild. And mm-hmm. but maybe that's really the story of most Premier League clubs. Like Manchester United went through that, Liverpool went through that, uh, Tottenham. Tottenham's definitely gonna. For sure. Tottenham's going through that right now. Uh, let's be honest. Yes. And I think Liverpool will definitely go through that again once Klopp leaves. So. Yeah, it's 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 a cycle. Yeah, and what what do you think Arsenal needs to go back into that golden age? Is there a trigger? Is there something that's missing? Is it a player? Is this is the, is the upper management? <sighs> there's there's a lot of things. I, I don't think obviously. Uh... The easy answer for supporters is like we're gonna we're we're gonna need this player. Mm. We need to fill. Uh, we need a central midfielder. We need we need this and we need that, which is 
yes, I think obviously a big portion of like your performance is going to be driven by the fact that you have better players mm -hmm. uh, or more players on the bench that can make the difference. But at the same time, like you also need like that perfect, uh, almost I want to call it like the perfect storm in a yes. club or in a the team where you have like the cohesion, the players are all like maybe some are not as technically gifted as others, but they have like something that they can make up for. And then you have the talented players who can kind of deliver when they need to. And then you have the like it feels like it's a recipe, right? So mm. it's like it's a bit cliche, but like you have like the hard captain, you have the the fighter, you have this and you have that and you have that. So I think right now The, the way I look at Arsenal is that there's a lot of talent, talented players. There's a lot of quality. There's a lot of, obviously, technical ability. And then Arteta coming in with his all, you know, not experience, but his knowledge of the game. Mm. Uh, so, so there's a lot of those elements, but it, they're still missing, like, that cohesion factor that's going to, obviously, once they are able to, like, build that, again, like, that perfect recipe or storm, then that's going to make the you know, make them go to the next step. So every team that you look at uh, who has won the league, who, are, who has made history, uh, there's always going to be that like, oh, this was a perfect recipe. Like mm. you go back to Leicester when they won the league. Like you have that like weird, but somehow it works yeah. lineup where you're, you're kind of like, wait, why, why is, what, like, what is Kante doing in that team? Like, why was he playing at mm. Leicester? When you look at him now, he's playing in Champions League day in day out like he's won the world cup with france he's playing with chelsea like he's a bigger player than no offense to leicester but like yeah. that leicester should deserve and then they had jamie vardy who was like three years ago was a no like three years before that was a nobody mm -hmm. and etc etc so you have that like the perfect dressing room that you can manage and then you have a manager who can obviously manage all of that pressure because i think building such a Uh, a perfect recipe will require a manager to be really strong and like ready to handle all, all of the different uh, types of energy that he's going to be getting from the players. But it requires, you know, it requires a lot of, a lot of that, I, mm. I believe. So yeah. whenever someone looks at the team and says, oh, this player is not good and this player is not that. And I, and I'll say the same thing sometimes and I'll be maybe too harsh on some players, but at the end of the day, I like, I look at it and, you know, for me, there's always that like, There's something like you can't really pinpoint a position or a specific role that they need to fulfill, but you can say like there's there's a leader missing. There's a like the talismatic uh, like yeah midfielder that's missing. There's like all these elements that are missing because if you look at it, there's talented players. Like you look at Saka, you look at Smith Rowe, you mm. look at Aubameyang, you look at uh, Lacazette and Pepe coming off the bench. Like there's there's a lot of great players who would you know arguably make the starting lineup of every team at this moment in in the Premier League maybe but there's always like this you know when you look at you know when I look at uh, when you play FIFA Ultimate yeah. team like you'll oh, see the yes. different connections between the players yeah. like the chemistry so I feel like that's and, and chemistry is such an easy word to throw out when something's not working and for a team but I feel like that's what they are still looking to improve I'm not mm. saying, I'm not saying that They don't have chemistry, but there is like a little element that needs to like once all of these buttons are like pressed and all of these the links are made, then you'll have a team that can go very, very far.
but yeah it takes time even like you know you look back and when they won the the t the the league like you had you know you look at every player they had and that was like they that player could you know take on a role that was meant for them and that was helping the team move forward and they had a collective purpose that was kind of bigger than the uh bigger than the result in, in itself so it was great to see but it's easier again like it's easy, like looking at a documentary it's always easier to look at these players and the mm-hmm. and these legends and say oh this guy was, was a legend but you know when you're watching those games live you kind of realize every you know or you're watching those games uh you're watching it from a perspective that you see how every player is adding like value to the field and and making sure that that chemistry is like working perfectly but yeah it's it's very hard it's very hard yeah it's um it's not a it's not as easy as just buying you know four players and then slotting them in the in the lineup you know that's the thing it's like it's it's like it's very much like an ecosystem you know everything needs to be neatly balanced you need the right kind of egos that match mm-hmm. well together the right kind of physical traits yeah. talents um going back to the lesser city example i i absolutely love that season when they won it i think everyone did uh my favorite movie of all time is moneyball uh with brad pitt it's a i absolutely <laughs> love that movie it's so good um yeah i'm actually reading a book right now called soccer soccernomics or soccer economics yeah soccernomics yes. i'm reading it great right book, now by the way yeah great I'm, book i just finished chapter one and i'm like oh this is gonna be a very good read and to, it is and to me lesser city they deserve a movie like moneyball i'm just gonna throw it out there i'm throwing out to the universe hope it's manifested <laughs> and i hope i hope it happens man and speaking of movies now that arsenal is having the all or nothing documentary filmed i'm i'm so excited yes. to see how that what that's like i mean did you watch the Tottenham one did you watch or the city one or the Tottenham one i did i did watch the city i did uh did i watch yes i watched both actually okay yes i did and how, uh, how do you think arsenal is gonna it's pan good, out man because i mean Obviously, there's going to be a romance factor to it. There's going to be a, like, you know, mm. I've, I, I read that somewhere. Like, if they're making a documentary on you or or if Netflix or Amazon is making a documentary on you, it's probably because you're not doing well. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. The classic, the classic example is, like, Sunderland. Uh, oh, Sunderland till, till I, I die. die. And then you, you have you have Tottenham. So, you know, obviously, there's, there's a need for content. I, I respect that. But there's also a need for, like... Uh, these like lows and these mm. you know surprising moments that everyone's looking for and and in a sense like memeable moments that people <laughs> are searching yeah, yeah yeah so i think they will get they will get what they are looking for <laughs> at least uh, at least from like you know it's still early in the season so it's uh, right. at least from a like starting the season then maybe there's going to be more ups and downs along the way but uh, it's going to be interesting to see again, like how, uh, and I mentioned that, like how the the locker room atmosphere is. Yes, I still feel that there's they're lacking like a solid uh, leadership, uh, and I'm not saying only one person, but like a solid leadership presence in the locker room. Mm. Someone that walks in and that like transcends like respects and like yes, okay, uh, yeah, like you kind of like shut your mouth when that person walks in. Uh, and maybe it's like me being super old school. I don't know if that's still the case now in, in clubs, but there's always going to be like a like a almost like larger than life presence that's going to walk uh, in the locker room and be like, oh my god, like like for example, like drop us in the locker room, like shut 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 your mouth, like yeah. he's talking. So I don't think, and I'm I'm a big Zaka fan. Like I appreciate like 
I think I appreciate his attempt to become a leader and like a hardworking midfielder, mm-hmm. but I don't think he he gets that like respect from in the locker room. I really doubt that. Interesting. I think he's just a guy who like likes to scream and <laughs> look hard and yeah and look tough and whatever. But like he's not necessarily like a World Cup winning player, right? So, right. It, it it it's that yeah it's interesting because like every person i asked i always ask about shaka uh, granted shaka because like everyone's got a different opinion about him uh it's either because the way i i think most people hate him that's the thing most people hate him i met a few who yeah. said he's not bad once you know where to put him and how to play him others say that's sure. also true but you also can't trust him in highly emotional moments in the way he's kind of like Sergio Ramos. well okay so my argument for that is okay. you know we had Patrick Vieira at the time. Okay. Which was, and he was a loose cannon. Mm. Like, I think to this date, like, he's the player with the most red cards. And he was insane. Like, he was a great midfielder. Like, don't get me wrong. He was an amazing midfielder, but even a better leader for the team. Okay. He was a captain. He, he like, he had won the World Cup. Like, you, he walks in the room and you know that you have to shut up because he's going to talk. Uh, he was defending his teammates. He was like fighting for every inch of the game and every ball that was, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. But he was still a crazy guy when it came to like tackling and getting cards. Right. So like, obviously, I'm not comparing, and I'm gonna ha- get hate for this, but <laughs> I'm not comparing Patrick Vieira to Zaka. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I am like comparing players that have similar uh, qualities and maybe okay. Like, uh, yeah, like so. Yeah, yeah, so obviously people are gonna hate Zaka because he's the guy who gets red cards and tackles late and and throws his jerseys on the floor and, mm. and and gets mad and this and that. But at this moment, like we kind of need a player like that to mm. to get everyone like you know ready yeah. for games. I don't know. He's that's my that's my take on it. I mean, it's a bit old school. No, I I I I like. I appreciate that because, like, I kind of grew up at the latter end of that era where you need the hard man, the enforcer, you know, kind of like not necessarily the enforcer, but you know, like just someone who has yeah, yeah. a physical, like a physical presence. That's it. Like, I know Liverpool Henderson kind of occupies that role, but in somewhat of a different way, not so physical, but more of an emotional mm-hmm. aspect. You know, I grew up playing soccer yeah. where there's always an enforcer on the team that, like, if he screams at you, is because you're doing something wrong, and don't don't argue back. It's because you're just doing something wrong, right? And <laughs> it's um, and and that being said, like, okay, well, two questions. First question is: Should you, should Arsenal keep Xhaka or they should uh, they should keep him? Yes or no? Oh my God. Second question: oh my. Is there still a space yeah. for it, those old school enforcer types in today's game? Oh my God! So first question: Should they keep him? Yeah. Uh, they had the option to sell him. I think it was there's a few clubs that wanted him, and I know all my friends were rooting for him to get sold. Uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, from, from a market like point of view and a team point of view, I think they can, they can afford to sell him. Okay. I think in the sense that they can, they, they have, they have a bit more like technical ability with Partey, uh, Thomas and uh, Lokongo now. But again, like the season's so long, you know, like obviously, unfortunately, Zaka's out for three months. So right. that's going to be a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say like a difficult player to replace. I don't think, uh, you know, I think Thomas and Lokongo and anyone else who's going to slot in is going to be uh, maybe more technically gifted than he is. 
but at the same time, like I think again, the season's long. You 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 might need. There's going to be games where you where you're going to need players like him, unfortunately. So it's gonna we're gonna see how it works out. I think it's going to be okay in the end. Uh, but I would still like to see some kind of like leadership presence, uh, maybe amplified leadership presence, uh, like a Zaka but improved leadership presence. So maybe it's not Zaka, it's someone else. But so that's your first answer. So my heart says mm-hmm. we should keep him because I like him right now, and you know the the modern footballer or supporter in me is going to say, well. You should sell him because he's still got great value coming out of the Euro. Right. Uh, and he could, you know, he could add depth to a, a club that's looking for that. So so that's that. And then the second question was... Uh, is there any room... What was it again? Sorry. Yeah, is there any room for today? Oh, for the enforcer. Oh, today's game. Like like those old school enforcers, you know, we think of like Roy Keane, uh, Jamie Carragher. Yeah. You know, do, is there still room for that today's game? Because it seems like everyone's a bit of a prima donna in some in one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think there there needs to be some kind of maybe uh, maybe the word enforce is a bit strong, but like some right. kind of physical leader in a sense mm. that shows or that that you kind of look up to. That you know, again, it's not going to be the best player out there, but he's going to work his ass off and he's yeah. going to kind of always over deliver uh for the team uh, i think that's necessary and then there's also a, a like from a uh, communication point of view i think that's also something that's more and more needed so there needs to be some kind of uh maybe the word i'm looking for is a liaison between okay, the team yeah. and the actual like technical staff and the 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 you know the the not the administration but the office mm-hmm. there, there needs to be that sort of like link that can be trusted by the teammates but also by the uh, the technical uh, department technical staff right uh so maybe maybe some kind of like hybrid version of an enforcer i don't think there's a yeah there's uh would be something that we uh we, we i would i would benefit i think clubs would benefit from that I've, i don't know if there's any examples i'm thinking out loud right now i could i could think, think of maybe two i could think of two uh big one yeah. would be I think Sergio Ramos was definitely that type of guy at Real Madrid. Granted, he yes he did succumb to a lot of emotion. He's a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> he was. But you could tell the love that the players had for him and the love he had for the players. Yeah. And I, when you saw that, you're yeah. like, this guy doesn't just lead through fear, but there's like, I will die for you because that's how much I love you. You know what I mean? Like there was that kind of emotion he gave. Yeah. And absolutely. And he was like, I think, like you mentioned, like he was probably like out like coming out of that era so yeah he's probably one of the last ones there yeah uh but yeah like uh, that's honestly that's what I, I completely forgot about him but yes that's the type of player that you kind of uh, and again it's a cliche but like you want him to play for your team but you don't want to play against him oh yeah because he's going to be a absolute nightmare and lunatic on the field against you <laughs> yeah but playing for your team you're like yeah man like we don't care like we can play any team now because we have this guy in the back and the other player i was thinking about mls i'll use an mls example is uh wanyama yeah. with the club de fun montreal right now because okay i know it's a little weird i don't know how much he is behind the scenes but on the field and how players react towards him i can tell that mm-hmm. there's like it, it not because he's uh, obviously respect. Yeah, because I mean, great, great. He's Victor Wanyama. He's been, he's you know, he's a Tottenham, Tottenham before coming to Montreal. But 
you can just yes. tell that there's this aura and this vibe that players give to him and around him the way they talk to him is mm-hmm. not the same way they'll talk to another like to shuanya let's say you know it, there's um for sure and there's something about that also he's a huge guy <laughs> he's a big guy and well f- yeah i think that that always plays into the account like into consideration where like you have literally like a big physical presence and not only do you have that but it's also in the middle of the field where mm. you're kind of like looking around and you see basically all your teammates so there's that but the, like i think like you mentioned there's also him coming from uh you know from the other side of the atlantic let's call it that way mm. uh, also kind of he brings his like experience he brings his bag like football iq and knowledge to the game here and to the players here so i think the players look up to him but also listen to him when he talks yes. because he's been in in a lot more different uh footballing scenarios than a younger player would hear mm. right so i think he has for every experience that uh, a player like for every new experience that a player is like going through he's gone through that and he can kind of explain or guide that player into like you know what like when you're facing a bit of a difficult period or this or you're playing a team that's playing like this like i i remember playing against that team and they had those that same or similar things so i can kind of you know he can kind of like pick from his like football folders and then dish out some uh some of the lessons and experiences that he has so yes for sure and i think what i like about him from seeing him and i think i saw him in person well not in person but like on the field which was now over a year ago Mm -hmm. but uh it's the way that he's able to dictate the tempo yes so i think that's also a big factor so uh, MLS is played at a very rapid pace. Right. Uh, just historically, it's always been like that. I feel like there's a more and more teams now that are, uh, you know, embracing the technical side of the game, the the slowing down part of the game. But whenever he has the ball, I think that was the funniest part because I think when he started playing for the club, people were saying that he was slow. People were saying that he didn't run fast. Mm. People were saying that he, you know, uh, all these like weird things that they were saying but in reality he was able to like slow the play down and then you know make the decision based on his ability to slow the play down and then look around him and have a bit more time on the ball than very true anyone else out there so so there's there's that and i think that's that's what makes uh makes him in a sense uh i don't know if they call him a leader for the club but like a very important uh player for the club at least okay um no so, yeah, yep. sorry about that. There's like there's so much so much thing so many things happening in that, around the house. But um No worries, man. I thought you were offended by my <laughs> I just so walked I out just the walked room. Up and left. <laughs> You're like this makes no sense at all. <laughs> um Okay, well the, the, the what's funny is that I wouldn't okay, is who who was your favorite player at Arsenal when you were growing up? When you first started watching? Oh, uh Thierry. And how did you feel when he came to Montreal as coach? Weird. Yeah, uh, I felt kind of similarly. Very weird. I didn't, uh, you know, people were calling me, and it was, and weirdly enough, it was the day of my birthday. So, oh wow, it was like a happy, weird gift. Happy I birthday! Guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like what? And my 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 wife texted me that morning saying like Thierry Henry in Montreal, and I I, I was just having coffee, so I, I didn't read the news. Mm. But when that news came, I was just kind of like, uh, this is great, but this is also very weird, very random, uh, like very random for sure, but also like. You know, I love Thierry Henry at Arsenal. I always say that. Like, 
Thierry Henry for me in France, Thierry Henry for mm. when he left to go to Barcelona, I didn't give a shit. Like I, yeah. Unfortunately for him, like he was a he was always <laughs> a great player, but I found that at Arsenal he meant so much to to me, my cultural heritage, yeah. to the 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 memories I, I hold on to. Uh, that you know, when it was time for him to leave, I you know obviously I understood, and it was always going to be like that. But you know, like I said, like my favorite player is in Thierry Henry. My favorite player was Roberto Carlos growing up, mm. and then Thierry Henry at Arsenal. Like I need to yes. mention the at Arsenal. I see. Part. Yeah, that's an important uh, caveat. Because again, like it was a it was a perfect storm where he came in, like he needed a confidence boost. He had the manager to support him. They built a structure around him. They had the players to support whatever he was doing, and then he just kind of got the, you know, got to shine for how many years, right? Yeah. So, so for me, like just watching him play was absolute like magic. Oh man, it was it was magic. It was magic. I can imagine. Like, um, I, yeah, just watching it. I remember it was like obviously the games were early on Sundays and Saturdays, right. so we'd wake up and like. We'd all like cram up in the basement because that's where our TV was, uh, and you can. Th- there was a weird sense about like where we knew that whenever Arsenal would play, like you would expect to win right. in a sense. Yes, you, but you would also expect like some exciting uh, moments in the game thanks to thanks to him. So there was that, and there was also like. You know the Dennis Bergkamp and Terrari connection was something mm. out of this world, to be honest. But I am, and like many Arsenal fans, hundred percent biased. Here. <laughs> um, we're approaching an hour, and uh, honestly, thank you for your time. But I do want to ask you one question, a bit of a troll <laughs> question. Um, oh my god, is Tom? I honestly, I was waiting because you've been really <laughs> nice. You've been really nice for the last. <laughs> 55 minutes uh i was expecting a lot worse i was expecting a lot of like bad jokes and there, but <laughs> honestly you're a great host thank I appreciate you that but you can you can start the trolling now i'm good i'm ready okay um i've asked everyone almost everyone this can we consider tottenham yes a big club and dare i say a bigger club than arsenal at this point in time maybe Maybe not this point in time because they kind of lost badly, but you know what I mean. Like in the last few years, they've been they've been pretty solid. They've been okay, so they've been challenging for it, but they've not. I don't think they've shown that they have the the chutzpah. Uh, the yeah, and the structure to show that they're a big club. Mm. And maybe Arsenal is not again. Like maybe again, Arsenal is not a. They've they've been a big club. They're still fighting to be to remain as a big club, but. You know, like I said, like it's a transition period, so they have to like keep showing that they can stay a, a big club. But uh, to be fair, I think Tottenham are like just on the verge of it. Unfortunately for them, mm-hmm. uh, fortunately for us, it's fine. But uh, it's you know, I think right now what we're seeing is that maybe they've kind of they've finished their era in a sense, and mm. where Arsenal is kind of starting its new era. So. There's going to be. I mean, the the game obviously on the, that they played uh, was was convincing for Arsenal. But as a Arsenal realist, mm-hmm. uh, there was always a part of me that was saying like, you know, if they score one goal, then they can really score a second goal really fast, yeah. and then it can go to shit really fast as well. So, uh, you know, when Son scored, there was a you know bit of time left. So I was like, you know, if they score a second one right away. It can be a very, very difficult uh, last couple of minutes, but uh, 
but yeah, like I think that's always going to be Arsenal. Well, not always, but it's going to be the Arsenal of like the modern times that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But as for Tottenham, I don't think they are. You know, yeah, they, they aren't a big club, unfortunately for them. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate. So maybe someday, you know, like it's a cycle, right? So it's whenever that happens, I'll, hopefully I won't be there to witness that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think you will. But you know, like. Oh wow! Now you're trolling hard. Now. I think oh, you well will. done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know what? The realist in me is gonna might agree with you. I think they have, they have like again like my biggest takeaway was like they had Mourinho who was mm. you know maybe the toughest Arsenal uh, hater out there and he was doing a great job against Arsenal no matter which club he played for. Very he, true. He managed so. Uh, you know, having him leave Tottenham was a sigh of relief for Arsenal supporters, <laughs> I think. Uh, and then the, the, the uh, Nuno Gomes, as no, what did I say? Nuno Gomes is that his name? Oh no, uh, Espiritu Santo, the Holy Spirit. Espiritu Santo Gomes. Nuno Gomes is an old player. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like. It's gonna take time for him to like embrace that Tottenham way of life, I guess. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what he needs to do, but also he's going through a rough patch where. Harry Kane simply doesn't want to be there. Oh, it's, yeah. It's simple as that. Like, yeah. So if anything, he's the... he looks like he's working hard, but he's not. Yeah. Like if, if anything, that City versus PSG game uh, in the Champions League where City lost, yeah. they lost because they needed a striker. And that striker was Harry Kane. I was like, if they had Harry Kane on that side, they would have scored at least one or two goals. For sure. It was so obvious. For sure. I was like, oh, man, this is they played, uh Yeah, they played so well. Uh, they had... I mean, didn't they, they hit the crossbar twice or something? Yeah, Bernardo like, Silva missed that open net, and yeah, back to back crossbars. Uh, but yeah, overall, like, uh, yeah, they they are they are still looking for a striker. They, uh, you know, luckily for them, they have like so much quality on the field. Oh but God, like yeah. you mentioned, like they they just need like a little, you know, and it maybe maybe it's Kane. I don't know. If it could be anyone else, but like someone who can just almost like tap it in from the six yard box and mm. and get all the glory right so uh they haven't found a player yet maybe sometime at some point they will but in the meantime you know harry kane's just kind of rotting away at Tottenham because he doesn't he says he wants to be there but he's clearly nah. in a state of mind that he's thinking about way like a lot of different options uh and that's obviously affecting his his play right now it's, it's yeah there's no science behind that it's just it's how it is, right? It's true. And um, also, as a Korean biased, it's ruining Sun Min's performance. So I don't appreciate that. Harry Kane, get it together. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. He's a great player, by the way. Oh, my God. Like, he, he's... If he could just make the leap to Arsenal, like, <laughs> obviously, that's never going to happen. But I would love to see that. He's just for such the... a great player to watch. It's, he's a player that you cannot, I can't hate him. You can't, yeah. Uh, I, you can't hate him. He's... He's so uh, charismatic, but also very, very good on the ball. Yeah. Like he's, he's one of those players that like you, you're always gonna you know think about the bigger players, but then you look at guys like Son and you're like, this guy is way better than everyone. Yeah, um, like he's just like it's effortless for him. It is, and he's ambidextrous, and I, that's why my prediction is that he's going to Bayern Munich soon. I feel like that might be a good switch for him. Wow. I really see that happening. That definitely might be. Yeah, 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 for sure. But that being said, um, I guess I'll close it off here. Uh, I'm going to let you... More trolling or... (laughs) Uh, I'll save it for another opportunity, maybe in person if if that happens. But um, 
but yeah uh, again Yvonne thank you f- for coming through I really appreciate this uh this was this was awesome I yeah like this is this is great I'm, I I'm like I said it's um I'm learning more about Arsenal fans and now I'm seeing a pattern that uh you're all you're all objective pessimism is used because that's reality in some regards but you still believe that there is mm-hmm. a golden era coming through and that being said i just want you to know that you'll never walk alone so remember that oh wow that's that's more trolling <laughs> i mean honestly thank you thank you for your time like i didn't see the time pass so it was great i think yes uh even for me it was a great way to kind of revisit the past from mm. an arsenal supporter point of view so that was great uh a bit depressing also <laughs> not gonna lie but uh yeah no it's great it, it and and to be honest like you you said you'll never walk alone that's great but at the same time like i can always use my invincibles card and uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever i want to so so i will use that card right now and uh <laughs> and thank you for your time and uh i i'm looking forward to seeing like what other people or other arsenal supporters have to say i think it's gonna yes. be interesting to see because i tend to think that arsenal supporters are the worst uh, mm. and that's coming from an Arsenal <laughs> supporter uh, but uh, but I'm really curious to see what the kind of the end result and the right. consensus will be about Arsenal supporters so I thank hope you, you like man. it appreciate it no thank you and I, probably, I, yeah. I honestly still have so much more questions but I'll save that for another time uh, uh, no problem is there anything you'd like to plug oh man uh, I mean to plug uh I think you did a great job at plugging La Victoire football community, which is uh, a space for people like you and me. So people that are telling stories out there, telling uh, maybe stories about the past, about the mm. present and the future in their in their old football landscape. So if anyone out there is listening and thinking about uh, maybe launching a podcast on Arsenal or launching a, a series about not only Arsenal, but just football in general, then you know definitely reach out. Uh, to me on La Victoire FC so it's uh, my last name so La Victoire FC uh, on Instagram or on the website so lavictoirefc.com and then you can find all the information about uh, what it would mean to you to join this community so thank you for that plug I appreciate it man (laughs) no of course Um, so as always for everyone thank you for being an audience thank you for listening you could follow my Instagram at thesoccerpilgrim uh, on Instagram and and yeah so I guess this is how I sign out and I'm starting to like it. From Montreal, this is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. Mm-hmm.